Hi, peeps. Help Me Be Me is underfunded and needs your help. If you enjoy listening to this or it helps you at all, please visit helpmebeme.com and click donate or visit me on Patreon. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And I have a little bit of a cold, so apologies for the uh, sniffles. Um, And this is an episode about how to tell if you're dating a narcissist. I did um, one about how to escape a relationship with a narcissist, but I figured, you know, some people might not even know that they're actually in a relationship with a narcissist. So this is inspired by a couple people in particular, um, but one person who wrote to me, um... Thank you for bringing this topic to my attention. And just heads up, all of this information is widely available across the interwebs. But uh, So just Google it if you want to know more. But I'm also going to put some books in the show notes if you want to uh, do some more homework. So with that, there are three parts. The what, the why, and the how, the tools. Here we go, part one, the what. So it usually starts with you not super into this person. Um, maybe you were like, meh, not my type, not, not into that person. And then they kind of pursued you hard and they pursued you constantly and passionately. And they really, really dug you. And you were kind of like taken aback, like, wow, man, maybe, maybe this is, maybe I should pay attention to this. So slowly you were kind of won over, like, maybe I could be in love with this person. They seem to love and adore me and they see me as I am. And so finally you kind of, you're one, you're, you're pitched and you're like, all right, let's do this. And when you do that, it's awesome. And it's passionate. And it's like this connection you've never had before. It's like they understand everything you feel and they see all your voids and they're, they make you see, feel so seen, so understood. Um, and you've never felt anything like this before. You've never felt so complete before. And it's likely very passionate, very intense. Um, the sex is probably awesome. And you might feel high as a kite. Like you've never, like you're like, oh, this is love. This is it. And that's partly because this person just adores the fuck out of you. And you're like, this feels amazing. I feel like a million bucks. So you're like in a drug bubble. Um, And then, and this part's awesome. And you're like, I can't think of anything else but this person. We have this insane mental connection. And then all of a sudden, maybe you get in a spat, get in a little fight. And some intense darkness comes out. Like they react to you like you are a cold-hearted abuser. Like they're like, how could you? Don't you see yourself? This is all you. Like you're a terrible person. I ca- you can't see how selfish and terrible you are. And then and they're like, done. And they walk away. They pull back and the, they cut off the love and affection. And it's like an icy bucket of water in your face. And you're kind of like, whoa, what? What would just happen? No you're not supposed to react like that. We're supposed to argue and then make up, come back. And so you're like, wait, I don't understand. It's not the standard reaction. And you're like, but you're supposed to say like, I was wrong too. But it's like, no, all they see is what you did. You're a terrible human being. How could you? And they they cut you off. 
And so because you're like, I want the drug again, I want the love bubble, you end up groveling and apologizing, you pursue them, you, you, you concede to their truth, to their reality. Because that's the only way you want, you can get the drug back. And they're, in their mind, they are not wrong at all. They did nothing. And they also don't see your feelings or your side of it at all. It's almost like you're invisible to them. And this will, this is a constant thing. They, you are always the one that's on trial. Your needs and your feelings are irrelevant and invisible. And the only thing they see in you is their reflection. Like, they see themselves as a victim who is trying hard, who is perfect. And so you concede and you're like, I'm sorry and please come back. And yes, you're right. I was wrong. And this is when there's a power shift, like the dynamic changes in the relationship because you've taken the first step toward disabling yourself and you've compromised your values in order to keep the supply of the drug because it's the only thing your brain can see to do. Thus, you enter somewhat of a chase. Like, ironically, you're also a hostage, but you're chasing that original state of bliss. And you can't act outside of the rules that this person sets up because they're the supply. And they, this, the bubble that's set up, is where you feel the most complete and happy. But because of that, you're, you're like, you can't be yourself. You're probably starting to be like very hypervigilant and like stressed out. You're in a misstep. And yet you're also at the same time like pissed inside. You're like, but fuck you. Like I'm, I want these things and I, I deserve these things. But your needs are never met. And so you kind of swallow them. And thus you also start to feel unworthy because you're watching your own self betray your own values and not treat yourself like a good human being and not ask for very standard, normal, not difficult to meet types of things like show up to my birthday party, stuff like that. Um, and so now you're kind of like chasing the drug, chasing the drugs, and you have the moments of bliss. And throughout this time, you have to uphold the view of the world that they see. In this world, they are right. They are the victims. They're always trying the hardest. You are wrong. Your needs are invisible. And this applies to other people too. Like you might find that they're incredibly harsh and judgmental toward others and almost like violently so. So you might find some past stories of like, you know, people that they were with previously, like shocking, like what they did or how they refer to them. Like their exes might be terrible, horrible human beings. Um, and so you're pretty much in a holding pattern and you're like, you're, you become kind of like a, a junkie, like a stereotypical junkie, like, come on, man, I'll suck your dick. I think that's a reference to a, some movie that is from the 80s. Anyway, you are, you have no morals and you're just kind of like doing whatever it takes to get the love bubble back. So during this time, this is also known as the devaluation stage, um, especially if this relationship is new to you, like you've never been in a relationship like this, you might feel like an awareness of your own kind of self-respect inside. Like you're like, ah, I hate this. I'm pissed at this. This is a stupid relationship. You might be screaming in your head. Like what is, what is happening? 
Like, what about me? Why don't they respect me? Why are they not listening to me? I deserve acknowledgement. I deserve X, Y, Z. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like when they give you what you want, when you get back that intense connection and that amazing sex, you're again under their control. So it's like they're always right. You're always praising, watching, hoping, listening, and they can do whatever they want. It's like, think of it like a cat with a mouse on a choke chain and the cat's like batting the mouse around. So inevitably, the next stage in this kind of relationship is when seemingly at random, they use either a fight, a really minor fight, maybe you ask for your needs to be met, use that as a stage on which to punish you intensely, dramatically, um, fantastically with the most cruel move possible, which is cutting you off, like the ultimate win. Just like a cat, it's like they, the mouse lost its bounce and now they want a new one, or now they're going to throw it in the corner for a while. Um, so they'll just stop talking to you. They'll cut you off and they'll say, like, I just can't handle your antics anymore. You're just too much. And you're like, wait, what? What just happened? Where did you go? I'm sorry. Come Come back. Um, and this is usually initiated by some, something out of the blue, as I said, a fight, or you, as their human mirror, are not reflecting back to them the godlike visage that they crave. So this is also known as the discard phase. However, it's not necessarily forever. Like, they might come back as soon as, the, you, and you'll pursue, and you'll grovel. I mean, unless you are strong at this stage, which would be amazing. You're probably, like, been leveled as a human being and you have no more in your own value of yourself. You've, you've degraded yourself so much to keep the drug that at this stage you're like, I'll do anything. So if you're, let's say, strong enough to stop contacting them and you start to kind of heal and feel a little bit better about yourself, it's like almost like a timer. Like they know when you're far enough away, then they'll pop back into your life again and they'll say, like, Something completely opposite, like a, mix, a mixed message that's like, don't call me, but I was thinking about you because I went to that restaurant we both love. And you'll be like, what? So why did you contact me? And they'll be like, no, I can't. Don't, don't reach out. But just so you know, you were the best sex of my life. So you're like, it's like the drug. You got a little taste of it again, and now you're going crazy and you're obsessing again. So it's like almost like... An ex, you know, a lab experiment with an animal in a cage getting an electric shock and or let's say a drug dose and you're like, when is it going to happen again? When is it going to happen again? If in actual lab experiments with mice, this makes the mice go crazy and like basically self-destruct. So that's kind of what's happening to you. You got a little taste and you're like, what the fuck is going on? How can I get more of it? When's it going to happen? When's the other shoe going to drop? Um, and so you're again like, I will do anything to at least have some sort of security or safety or grounding. And they love that. They love this feeling of power. And they love also the attention of somebody that is obsessed with them. So you might find yourself texting or emailing or reaching out and saying, like, I'm sorry, can we hang out sometime? And you you might feel like, I just need to get back to that love bubble stage again to feel okay. And then I'll just like, uh, it'll be a relief because I will, I'm in so much pain right now. All I want is just to be out of this state of pain. That's one stage. And that 
it, if let's say they come back in and, and you do hang out, that basically restarts the entire loop all over again. So you'll go through the love bubble stage or idealization, then you'll go to devalu devaluation, and then you'll go to the discard again. And it will repeat infinite, I mean, it could be forever. <laughs> it's like there's no telling. But hopefully it's not for your sake. So if, let's say you don't repeat at this stage, let's say you're in the, the discard, and you're just kind of in that, you're just lost. You're full of questions. You're like, what the fuck just happened? How could I have shared something like that with someone and they were able to throw me away like this? Like, but we had a connection. We were in love. Like the things we shared, the, the way we bonded, what, that was real. Like they said all these things and I felt it and I've never felt anything like that before. And what, how did they, how do we go from there to here where I'm like nothing, where I'm a piece of trash that they don't even miss or think about? Like th those two realities do not align. So your brain is like, what the hell? Like, you can't make sense of anything. So you're like obsessing and trying to like replay things and like, did I not live through that though? Like, was that not real? Could I have tried harder? How, could I have possibly just not asked for any of my needs to be met? Maybe if I just was silent, then I could still have them. So you're probably in that state of total and utter powerlessness and worthlessness because they've basically taken all of your value systematically away because you've given all of your power away to them by just conceding to everything they want. So you've almost demonstrated to yourself I have no autonomy. I have no self-respect. So this is like a lot of people, this is rock bottom of your entire life. This is like known as one of the most traumatic things that you can go through as a human being. Just the, it levels your soul. So if you're in this stage, you're might be really hard to get out of bed. You might f literally feel like you have no value and partly because you were discarded so casually by a person that loved you. In your mind, that's, that's what the reality is. Which brings me to part two, the why. Why this happened. Well, the reality you experienced is not uh, the complete reality that they shared. So the experience you had of feeling completely seen and understood and loved was in part manufactured by that other person as a means to control you. So it's a lot of it is embellishment. It's not to say your experience isn't valid because you lived it, but their ability to feel those other things and reciprocate those things does not exist. So the truth is a person who does love you and does feel complete alignment with you and connect with you on all those levels truly would not be able to discard you in this way. This person is not like that. This person is wired differently. Think of it like a part of their brain is missing. So they're, it doesn't make sense to you because the, the person you're imagining is not who they really are. You fell in love with a, let's call him a robot, him or her a robot. And the reason that you were vulnerable to them is you were, something in your life has made you weakened perhaps, maybe you've been through some hard experiences recently, or... You don't know it, but you have some invisible hooks, some invisible voids in your person that point to a lack of confidence, a lack of self-love. Like, you don't know your value through and through. 
And this might be completely unseen to you. It was to me. I had no idea I had uh, low self-worth. Because in my mind, I was like, I'm totally confident I love myself. But when you have these types of, when you're vulnerable to these types of people, it points to some, there's a void in you that needs to be strengthened. And I'll get to that a little bit later. But you had a vulnerable spot. <coughs> Excuse me. So you likely couldn't see it, but they could see it clearly. And they saw your hook and they dug into it and they yanked on it. And that vulnerability vulnerability is deeply hidden. Um it's basically a question mark in your person that's, am I worthy? Am I lovable? Am I beautiful? Am I smart? Am I interesting? Am I worth, you know, being another person's half? So once their hook landed, and by hook, I mean adoration, attention, saying everything you've wanted to hear your entire life, that it's, that becomes a cycle that's very, very predictable, and it, and it kind of gets stronger as you get weaker and abandon yourself and your and your value system. So just like a junkie, like a drug addict, you stop caring about yourself and you only care about the drug. And not to, I'm not trying to mock junkies. I don't know if that word is considered derogatory, but I'm a former junkie, so I'm allowed to say it. Mm. Anyway, so the typical label for these stages, I said idealization phase, devaluation stage, discard stage. So this is textbook. Everything that you have gone through is textbook based on being in a relationship with a narcissist and they repeat. And for the most part, think of the first stage as you're being groomed. And it's the same thing, hate to bring up something so upsetting and depressing, but the same thing that pedophiles do to their targets. They set them up to be controlled. So that's why this person just plugged into your brain and pressed all the right buttons and just played you like you were a harp. And it's not to say that, you know, the experience you had wasn't real, but they were not able to feel all the things that you assumed they were feeling while you were going through it. And I call that out because a lot of people ask me, a lot of people that I work with that have been through this, ask me, but do they know all this? But does the narcissist really understand all of this? Um, is it this calculated? Like, don't they feel the love that I feel? And my answer is, it's not the same. They are not wired the same. Their brains are different than yours or mine. So the terms don't translate. They experience love as something that involves their level of power and their experience of adoration. So think that's what gives them like love, you know, love chemicals is like, I'm so fucking adored right now and I'm so powerful. And you only reflect back to them th the feeling they have about themselves. It's like you are, as a person, are just the mirror. You're the person that gives them all of the confidence and the feelings of power and like godlike you know, amazingness. So that's why they can't see or care about your feelings or your needs. That's likely why you're like, why are you, why is my, what happened to me not an issue? Like, why are my events not an, important to you? Because they don't see you. They only can see themselves. They crave power and control and being able to control you. And they really want you as a fan and adorer um, who grovels at their feet and treats them like a god. And they are completely aware of what they are doing in that they understand the game and how to play it. 
And if you talk to a narcissist candidly, they can tell you exactly how they get their mates. They can tell you what to say, what they do to win over a person. So it's in their awareness, but they don't have the capacity to feel the gravity of what they are doing to that other person. Um, so it's still very cruel. So I would say they're guilty, but at the same time, it's not the same as if you were doing it. If you were doing it, you'd be like, I am a murderer. Like you would feel like, I can't believe I'm destroying someone's life. Like that that sensitivity is, doesn't exist. So think of it this like, you're a chess piece, you're a cat toy. However, um, they can very much feel their feelings and they very much feel wounds, you know, and their their knee-jerk reaction is to self-protect their ego. So all they want to feel is like a god. And if they if they have anything that like, you know, tarnishes that feeling, they get incredibly insulted. Uh, and they feel like it's the worst fucking thing in the world, like the worst shit in the world. So they swing between those two selves. I'm a god or I'm a failure and I'm worthless. So they're very guarded against the worthless feeling. So their MO is to chase and maintain the godlike status in their own mind via gathering badges and admirers and watching those admirers fawn over them. And that is how they get off throughout life. Uh... Love and life is just the game of being God, of conquering. So when you get thrown away, like you were nothing, that is in part because maybe your view of them was not capturing the reality of who they think they are. Like you're, maybe you were like, I don't know, you, you grew a little bit too self-confident or you were not aligning with the reflection they wanted. And so they decided to chuck you to, to the side, like, I need a new cat toy. Um, so it's not like they have the capacity to hurt and feel something like the loss of a person that they saw and loved and connected to. Because it was always about them. So it's like, in order to miss somebody and mourn for that person, you really have to have seen them and appreciated all of the things that make them who they are. And because this relationship was about them to them, they can only miss what was reflected back to them about themselves. So it's not that you didn't matter to them or that you meant nothing. It's that the person you were with has a part of their brain missing that prevents them from loving another human being and therefore feeling sad about hurting that other human being. So you exist in two separate universes. Does not translate. Opposite types of people. It has nothing to do with you and your value at all. It's almost like those were not factors in their mind at all. The love bubble is like a love bubble because they built it that way. They designed it that way. They tapped into so many specific voids in the pit of your belly that you couldn't see. And just think of it like, you know, if you were a person that worked in client services and you had a client that you wanted to make like you, you would know how to do that. I'm assuming you would know how to, you know, smile a lot and say the right things. It's like it, a lot. Of, it's pretty logical on a lot of levels. Um, so to summarize, your view of them was false in part because of the self they portrayed at the start of the relationship. At the beginning of the relationship, they portrayed a person who could be in love with another human being. 
and they became a dream because that's how they operate. And that self was an act and a projection, not truthful. So it's like a kid playing dress up in a mirror. They play, you know, it's like a kid pretends to be like a cool movie star. It's not authentic because it lacks the other half of awareness of feelings and guilt and, you know, compassion. Which brings me to part three, the how, how you deal. So I have a couple simple tools. These are all starter tools. First one is called Mark the Map. So I want you to grab your journal and basically describe the reality of your situation as it is. Call out to yourself where you are and also tell one friend. So I want you to acknowledge you are in a relationship with a narcissist, if this sounds like you, and basically say, like, I need some fucking help. Things, shit is about to get real difficult. Acknowledge that, yes, you are an addict, and addicts need to be treated and helped and supported from as many sources as possible. And you've got to go all in because it is extremely fucking hard to quit a drug when your body is still addicted to it and the drug is still in front of you. So I would say this, it's really about knowing where you are and starting to strategize, starting to pull in resources, and starting to kind of make a map around your your resources in your life, knowing what you want to work toward eventually, even if you're not able to do that from the spot you're at right now. All right, the second tool is called fill up your fill up your bank. So think of this relationship as something that has steadily drained you of your outside value. Because you've had a chemical addiction to this person, you likely can't think of anything but this person. Your friends, your family, your job, all of this kind of fades away in value because this person becomes an obsession. So for that reason, you've got to start putting as much value back in to the other things in your life, even if your heart's not in it. Um, So quite literally, add time, add experiences, put plans in your calendar with other people in your life, and double down on whatever you do for hobbies or for your career. Put little pennies here and there. It's about creating as much stability in the outside areas of your life um, to support yourself because that's how you're going to be most capable in terms of leaving this person. Um, And yes, that is the ultimate goal. (laughs) Uh, in order to be in a relationship with this person long term, you have to basically have no self. You have to have, you have to be devoid of all feelings. You have to be um, a, a soulless human being, which I don't think, unless you're, you know, on drugs all the time, I don't think you can do that. I don't recommend it, put it that way. All right, tool number three, homework. I really want you to arm yourself with as much information as possible right now, especially because that is how you're going to be able to best help yourself. So get a book or two books on the subject of narcissists. Read about what they do, how they do it, the stages, and what to expect in the aftermath. And if you're in deep, I also highly recommend getting a therapist because the withdrawals from this kind of relationship are as intense as heroin. There, I mean, it's... It's like it'll drive you insane. So definitely get help. Tool number four, backside of the merry-go-round. So think of yourself like you're on a merry-go-round. There are three stops. I mean, there are three points on it. And when you're in that stage, let's call it the backside of this merry-go-round when it's facing away from this person, there's that little moment of the most ambivalence where you're like, ah, 
This is not a good relationship. Why am I in this? I don't like this. This person is not respectful. I feel like I'm invisible. I need to get away from this person, etc. That's when you're in the backside of the mirror. And I want you to think about jumping and running like hell. And that means you want to create as much distance and time as possible between you and this other person. So as many things that you can do to prevent them from catching up to you. So maybe you break up with them via email. You change your phone number. You change your email address. You send their emails to trash. You go as, on as many dates as you possibly can immediately after that. Um, you make out with someone else. Maybe you sleep with someone else to cut off the chemical connection. Call as many friends as possible. Book up as much as your time of your time as possible. So think of that as the one window of clarity when you can possibly escape. Um, that's when it's easiest, at least. So, and if you if you're in that moment when you feel that I don't like this, lean into it. Really try and focus heavily on like this sucks. I don't like this person at all. This is not sustainable. This is not possible to continue this relationship long term. All right, the next tool. Beware the sirens. So when you distance yourself from a narcissist, they are going to sing a song that will feel like everything you ever wanted to hear. It'll touch on all these little notes in your heart and it'll melt you. So as a rule, don't listen. Close your eyes, close your ears. Don't read the emails, delete the text, have the text, just block them on your phone. It's really difficult to... Uh, it's really difficult to get out of these relationships and they know your hooks and they know how to yank them. So cold turkey is the best policy. Don't look back. Don't listen. Don't look. So I hope those help. And I want to, before I close, I want to thank, I have so many new sponsors. I want to sh- give a shout out to all of you. My latest sponsors, Lily and Marissa or Marisa, new monthly sponsors. Thank you both. Simone, a new monthly sponsor on Patreon. Thank you. You're amazing. Um, I owe you an ebook as well. And thank you, Emily, for your very generous donation. You're awesome. And Carolyn, thank you for your donation. And thank you, all of my monthly sponsors and all of you who donate. I really appreciate it. If anyone out there has the means for a donation, you can head to yaywithme.com. It really helps me make this show. And uh, if you don't have the means, I totally get it. If you have time for a review on iTunes, uh, that would I would appreciate that a lot. And also, if you could share it with a friend, that helps me grow. So in closing, if you are in the situation currently, I feel for you. This can be one of the most difficult experiences to go through in your entire life because of the fact that the loops degrade your sense of self and debilitate you with time. It's all the gaslighting that eventually makes you question yourself and everything you say or do, and you lose sight of your own worth. You start thinking, like, is this true? Am I crazy and selfish? Am I, was I not worth anything? Was I not worth loving or keeping? And the answer to all those questions is no, you're not crazy and you are worth keeping. You are currently with someone who has serious damage and you need to get away from them in order to have grounding and safety and sanity. So if you've tried and failed to get out of this relationship, take heart. It takes an average of seven times for people to leave an abusive relationship. So the most important thing is that you don't stop trying. Don't stop feeding yourself the truth and attaching yourself to people around you who care about you and can see you and can strengthen you. 
And I want you to know there will be someone who can make you feel as intoxicated and seen and loved and understood in the future who is not like this. But in order for you to meet them, you have to be able to see and respect yourself so they can see that self. You have to get out of this relationship and then you have to do a little bit of work on yourself because you need to give yourself the validation that this person is giving you currently. That's something you owe you. That's what I owe you. Write it down. I owe myself unconditional love and validation. That void needs to be complete and full. And that's just, this is a gift in a way because it's showing you a part of yourself deep down that doesn't feel totally lovable. So think of it like, this is a highlighter. Now I can work on this and I can give that gift to myself. It is honestly the best gift you will ever get in the rest of your life is that understanding of your own value and trust in yourself. Because that fulfillment will protect you now and in the future. It'll be your compass because your definition of self won't rely on the opinion of another person or on the love and affection of another person. That def definition of I am valuable and I'm lovable, when it hinges on the thoughts of another person, it's incredibly dangerous because all it takes is a person to, you know, throw away their cat, their mouse toy, and suddenly you lose yourself. It's like too much has been given away and it needs to always belong to you. In order to love safely and fully and unconditionally, fill your cup and give unconditional love and support to yourself. And I re recommend doing that with a therapist because it, it can be hard to understand how to do that. But as a starting point, I'm going to give you one little last tool. This is a shout out to Hannah who inspired this podcast. Uh, I want you to start dating yourself. Quite literally, treat yourself like you are the catch of a lifetime and make everything you do for yourself thoughtful and deliberate and loving. Pretty things, special things, soft, comfy things. You are the best friend, best mate, best everything you will ever meet in your entire life. So I hope this helps you and I send you my love and don't forget to smile. Smile.